Welcome to Psychotherapy. I am your host, Jet Dunlap. This is episode 76. That's how I always say things. So it wasn't like I was trying to remember. I just say things like that all the time. This episode is being done in our original studio, 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 which is great because I get to relax. I get to lean into the show. I get to let my higher mind take over. And by the end of this episode, I'm going to tell you why you picked this episode to listen to. This is probably your first episode you've listened to, or it's not one of those two choices. See, I'm clairvoyant already. You picked this episode because you need to hear it because you have a question in your mind. Mind, mind, mind. You're thinking to yourself about a decision. Maybe it's a big one. Maybe it's something that you intuited and you're coming to this show because you needed to at this moment. And by the end of this episode, you will know for a fact that that feeling you had meant something. Or not. The or not part is just for suspense. You'll know. But I'm just putting that out there because I want to build uh, some kind of sense of I need to listen to this whole show. Is that a sense? That's not really a sense. That's a sentence. But you came to this on purpose. You had to listen to this episode. If this episode doesn't change your life, then I will give you your money back. Of course, that is if you didn't pay for this episode. In the future, if you paid for this episode, there will be no money back you get. That's my money. I've earned it. But at present, in the year 2020, you get no money. Wait, no, no, no. I'll give you your money back. That's the joke. Yeah, I'll give you your money back. So let's not get distracted. Let's not get goofy. Let's listen to episode 76 together. And trust me, you click that link on Instagram or Facebook or someone recommended it to you or Jet Dunlap himself told you five times to listen to this because he's pretty convinced this one's good. Whatever the reason is, you've come to this and it's here for a reason. Episode 76 starts right after this little ditty. say you're sitting around the house right now, if you're in my state, the great state of California, if you're in Georgia, you're probably bowling and getting a tattoo and a facial piercing. But if you're here in California and you're sitting around your house and you're either working, you're trying to figure out how you became a teacher to your children, you're trying to cover up the fact that you barely passed third grade and everything else has just been some kind of miracle that you were able to get through school. And yet now, children are depending on you for their education. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're thinking, why haven't I done more with this time I have? Because it's just me, or just me and my partner, and uh, I could be exploiting this opportunity for the good. No matter who you are, or where you are, this has probably happened to you. And it's happened to me, coincidentally, so I can relay it to you. You're sitting around, and suddenly you think, I think I'm wealthy. 
I think I have the best body I've ever had in my life. I think that person that I've been dreaming about, that partner I've been dreaming about, is going to come to me soon. I think that question that I asked, that opportunity that I worked on, is right there. It's about to be my reality. And then what happens with most of us is that we go, that's stupid. The big difference between us when we were children and us now, depending on the kind of childhood you had, some of us were allowed to enjoy more fantasy than others. Some of us had to get more practical and more real because of the situations. But at some point, you were able to let your imagination run wild. And you were very well in sync with your positive intuition. So something about what your mom is doing that day or her smile or something tells you that you're getting ice cream or something's going to go right that day. And it turns out to be true. When we are adults, especially when you start to become an adult, which is very key because when you become an adult, you are at your least amount of power. You are at your least amount of influence. And you have very little to do with the outcome of your circumstances. So when I moved out, when I was 18 years old, I moved into a pretty crummy apartment out in a bad neighborhood in the valley. And I worked a lot. So even though I was out of the house, which was great, and I could stay up as late as I wanted and all that stuff, which, by the way, I still enjoy. Because I don't have children, I think I still love the fact that I can stay up as late as I want. And every single day I'm happy I'm not in school because that was the worst period of my life. There's nothing worse than school on this earth. So I mentioned that before, but I like to get in there whenever I can, which is funny because I'm going to school again and I self-educate all the time. But the actual institution of school is ridiculous. And I hope that it is fixed after this pandemic. That was a side note. So when I got out and I was an adult... I uh, didn't have a lot of control. And maybe I would think like a child, things are going to get better, and then they wouldn't. But then eventually, once you start getting control over that, call it five years, you're in your mid-20s, things start to change. And then by the time you're in your 30s, like me, things change even more. And then you start to have more control over your life, but those negative impulses of the idea that things are not going to work out still plague you. I know people who have more money than you could ever dream of having. Maybe not some of you, but for the most part. And they're still waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm in that situation and I haven't had to have a day job in 10 years. I'm still living in that anxious world. Now, do I worry about money? No, I haven't worried about money for a very long time. I studied money and became very smart with money. And so when this situation where the economy dropped out, I had already set myself up so that we wouldn't have to work for two years if our money hose turned off. We don't really have a money hose. That'd be great. But uh, that was just a poor metaphor. So certain things I don't worry about, but certain things I do worry about. The reason I go into this is because when we feel something that is outside of our normal reality, we call it bull. So if you really wake up one day and you go, wow. I just had this like insight that I was the boss of this company and that everything I've ever wanted came true. And I had this deja vu. I had this yesterday. And then you say, well, that's BS. Or let's say you're more optimistic and you say, no, this is real. This is great. This is awesome. I feel this. 
Then the first person you talk to says, that's BS. And the second person and the third person, you know, stop daydreaming. Maybe it's not that obvious because that seems like an old cliche, but they slowly chip away at the idea that you're right in this intuition. But where did that intuition come from? If you weren't just watching the end of the movie Rudy with Rudy Rudiger, played by Sean Astin, a friend of mine in the past, not a friend now, but a friend of mine back in the day, name drop. I might uh, I might have hurt my back there with that name drop, knowing uh, Samwise the Brave from Lord of the Rings. But enough of Samwise or enough of Sean Astin. You had this intuition and you didn't have any catalyst for it. That's why I mentioned Rudy. You didn't just win a game or win a race. That's not the inspiration that got you motivated. It's just out of nowhere. You were taking a shower. You were going and getting groceries, which is difficult these days. You were going for a walk. You were doing the dishes. And then all of a sudden, this blast of inspiration hits you. That was for a reason. That was on purpose. And you denied it. Because the circumstances of your reality right now didn't reflect that sensation. Almost all the books I'm reading right now speak to how the greatest things in our life will always come to us as a surprise. Now, doesn't that make sense? If it was planned, if it was something we did, if it was ABC, it wouldn't be a surprise, so it wouldn't be that great. If you run a marathon, you get to the end, it's an accomplishment. I've done it many times, but it's not like it doesn't blow your mind because (laughs) there was work. When you graduate college or do something you've worked on for a long time, yeah, you're happy that you accomplished it, but it's not a surprise. The greatest things that ever happened to us are a surprise. And most of the things in our life that we point to and go, wow, especially those people who lean into this sensation, those watershed moments, you couldn't have predicted how they'd happen. So why is it when we have this burst of insight, this clairvoyance, do we deny it? Why do we let our current reality dictate our future? Whether it's wrong or right, whether it's good or bad, how often are we wrong about our future? When you're in high school and they say, where will you be 5, 10, 20 years from now? How many of you were right? Now, let's say you are some person whose life was planned out by (laughs) your family. I know some people like this. And uh, their family had money and their family had money. So it goes all the way back. And their life did turn out exactly like they thought. You know how bored they are? So don't wish for that, by the way. Those people who seemingly have everything, I get caught up in this more than most. I know them. And I see them on social media and I talk to them and they are bored to death. I did a whole episode on this. So the majority of us aren't in that boat. We're in the boat where the best things that ever happened to us sideswipe us. And we're like, wow, I met that person and it felt like it was destined. You will never meet anyone who lives in that world more than me. When I saw Gina for the first time, And we just celebrated our, let's say, sixth anniversary. Um, It's a lot more than that. But for the sake of my age, let's say six. We've been together for a long time. When I first saw her, I knew. I would not have met Gina if it wasn't for the fact that when I was sitting in Santa Cruz in my beautiful apartment, a 1920s motel on Eastcliff where my backyard was the Pacific Ocean, You could pull right up to the front door because it was a motel. I had my brand new truck. I had a great job. I had amazing friends. I was having a great time. Half the time I spent in San Francisco with my girlfriend, Ashley, I was sitting at home 
and I had just watched Rebel Without a Cause. And at the end, the credits played. Now, this is before you could just look everything up on the internet. For my age's sake, let's say it's because there was no internet lines there. Let's not say that it was an actual date. But for the purpose of this story, I couldn't look things up on the internet. So I didn't know through IMDb or anything like that, James Dean's history. I'm sitting there and the movie's over and I'm putting away my clothes. Now there was a trick because it was so cold out there (laughs) in Santa Cruz and my apartment was tiny, even though it was amazing. Smaller than where I live now. It was like 50 square feet, maybe. When I would do my clothes, I would throw them on top of my bed because it was so cold there that I'd sleep under all my clothes. <laughs> but when someone was going to go over, come over, I'd have, to, uh, I'd have to put them all away. So I was putting away my clothes. And I look over at the TV at this exact moment. Now, it was one of those like fade in, fade out kind of uh, after DVD, after the credit thing. And the credits were just rolling. I don't remember why. I look up and there it is. It says Jet Rank. And it says Giant at the bottom. And this is James Dean's role. Out of the four movies James Dean made, one of them was a movie where he played a guy named Jet, J-E-T-T. And it was like a bullet. It was like a bullet to my chest. And I decided at that moment, just like remember, for those of you longtime listeners, I decided to move to Santa Cruz when I was standing in the back storage room of Good Guys with my friend Dave Navarro, not the musician, but a good dude. And I said, I'm going to move to Santa Cruz. And within two weeks, I was from the San Fernando Valley, LA, and I was in Santa Cruz. And then the same thing happened when I was at my apartment on East Cliff. I saw this image come up on the TV where James Dean's name was Jet, and I was done. And I left. I came home to LA because I knew I had to start my life in the entertainment industry that I had left. Because before, I worked as a page on the set of Friends, but I moved to Santa Cruz because I knew I'd end up in film and television for the rest of my life, and I knew I probably wouldn't be able to move. So I came back, And I enrolled in theater classes and acting classes and comedy classes and auditioning classes. And I got my headshots done and all that stuff. And then one day during this process, about six months to a year in, I see Gina in the back of the stage and everything changed. I knew for a fact that that was the woman I must know. And I knew within moments that I'd be with her the rest of my life. Sounds crazy, right? So maybe I didn't come home and become James Dean. I have worked in film and television ever since in some variety. But I met Gina because of that. And we've been together for a long time. And those of you who know us know how long we've been together. And those of you who've listened to the show know how amazing our relationship is. If I hadn't followed that chain of instincts, it would have never happened. Now, there's so many other things that happened in that universe that I created. But the reason I mention all this is that it was because I leaned into this instinct. Now, this doesn't always happen. Because there are circumstances that have absolutely nothing to do with the inspiration that comes to you, but we associate it with them. So the other day on Gina's birthday, something very sad for us happened. It was sad for me for about 32 seconds. It was sad for Gina for about five days. The morning of her birthday, and because we're in quarantine, you know there's not much that can be done. And uh, (laughs) if you've heard the show, Gina's not big into gifts or anything like that. So I got her some practical stuff, you know, a chainsaw and things like that. That's actually true. The morning of her birthday, before I saw it, she looked into my emails and saw some disappointing news. But I have to take you back before I explain what the disappointment was. Two and a half years ago, I finally decided to, after 
considering it many times, that I would do the 10 essay submission process to become a trainee for the Directors Guild. So the Directors Guild has this program where you submit 10 essays about your journey with film and television and your life. It's very specific. If you send it without the right font, if you send it without the right spacing, if the word count is more for each one of these 10 essays, they shoot it right back. They're done. So they want to eliminate you. But uh, we did this. It took us about a month, month and a half. That started me on my writing, by the way. Remember that key fact. And we submitted. And Gina's like, obviously, you're going to get into this program. You've been in the business for a long time uh, since you worked on the set of Friends. And again, don't do the math on that. And you have a passion for it and you have a love for this industry. And so Gina was very excited and was pretty sure it was going to happen. When we're going up on vacation in 2018, I think, we get the news that I was not selected. And then we find out why I wasn't selected. And I had an episode where I went into this a lot more, but I'm never going to air it because I don't like to air my grievances. But let's just say at the moment, because of the climate, um, on the surface, my demographic is not very desirable. I didn't choose my demographic (laughs) or any part of how I was born, but that's the case. That's all I'm going to go into. But then we submit again the next year. We tweak our essays. We do a little more. And Gina this time is very optimistic and she's hopeful. Now, she is not a person who falls into flights of fancy. When I first met Gina, I came to her house and I went up to her bedroom. She showed me around and I saw that all she had was a row of books. And for music to listen to when she went to the gym for her ballet, she had a tape player that had duct tape on it. And I thought, well, I know what I'm going to get this girl for her birthday. And her birthday was a month after we started dating. So for her birthday, I got her a $40 iRiver, which was basically like the iPhone kind of MP3 player, uh, hypothetically, because again, my age doesn't stack up with that. But um, I got her, this was about 40 bucks from uh, Circuit City. And when I gave this to her on her birthday, she cried because she thought it was too extravagant. This is how simply she lived. And I thought that was incredible. Being a guy who had been in sales since he was 18 years old, coming up in a world where everything was kind of materially focused, it was beautiful to see someone who didn't have that kind of spell over them, thinking that stuff was meaningful. So that's Gina. She doesn't like gifts being bought for her. That's why I mention it. But she did have this hope for me to get into this program. Well, last week, we're sitting around, and I was rejected from this program again even though all the reasons you know I should be in this industry. not going to go into it. Went into it in another episode, and it was just depressing and lame and self-indulgent, so you know. Gina was very saddened by this because she doesn't get her hopes up for a lot of things. She thinks that's not because of the way that she wants to think, but the way she was brought up and the way her neutral mindset is. She thinks that that is uh, an indulgence. But she gave herself a break and thought, I will be hopeful for this with Jet because I know that he can do it. And then I was rejected again for about the same reason. I don't fit the right demo. I get that certain people deserve their opportunity, but I also don't think that you should bring people into an industry just based on criteria that they have no control over, not based on their need or desire for the business. That's all I'll say. The reason I mention that whole story is because I really wanted to give you a a picture of the depth of how that would make us sad. When Gina finally told me this, because I didn't read my email, I just looked off in the space for a second and I said, okay, that makes sense. I get that. I understand that. And then I moved on. Because in spite of the overwhelming disappointment I've had in my life, I still stay optimistic. So I moved on. But then an intuition and a feeling came up to me that I had $50 million. And then this deja vu came to me. And it said, it's because the business you're studying right now in school. It's because of the films you've made, the films you've written, the directing you've done. 
the center you've opened up for sobriety, the wedding venues you own, all this stuff came to me in a flash, and I was about to deny it. Why? Because of my rejection from the Director's Guild. I almost wanted to be mad about it. I almost wanted to be depressed and have a poor jet moment, but I didn't. And this goes back to the beginning of the podcast. I didn't let the present moment in my life dictate what I felt. Now, the easy answer to this is, Jet, you had a fantasy, (laughs) you dum-dum. You had a burst of BS. (laughs) That sounds like there should be a prescription medication for that. You had a burst of nonsense. The reality was you had a bad day and you were rejected again. Why didn't you just sit there and go, wow, I'm a loser? I had this burst of insight that I had $50 million in the bank. I was still young. I was doing everything I ever wanted. Everything had turned around. My life's trajectory was nothing like it was now. My luck had changed. I had this feeling, but I had no evidence to it. I chose to believe that. And so I started journaling and building this world and using affirmations and other exercises I know to kind of manifest this. And the reason I did is because I've gotten into the practice of indulging my positive intuition. Now, during this period where I was up in Santa Cruz and I saw this James Dean thing, a lot of other stuff in my life wasn't going great. But I didn't let that impact what I thought was a thing I should do. There's a lot of ways to interpret this, but I see it as leaning into these bursts of energy. It's weird, right? It's counterintuitive. But when you start to have a lot of intuition, when you start to have a lot of signs, you have two choices in life. You can deny it and go with the practical and say, it's all nonsense. I mentioned in one of my episodes recently, I think it was the last one, that if after this, it's going to be hard to get any job, why not go for the job you've always wanted? Because it's hard? Oh, okay, sure. But is it harder for the next 20 years to do something you hate? If you feel in this moment that something great is in store for you, and you have the feeling of it existing currently, your choices are easy. You look at yourself and you say, I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about. You hear the voices in your head of your parents or your teachers or someone in your life who said, stop fantasizing. But then you have to think, whoever in this world who has accomplished greatness didn't fantasize didn't see the world different than it was, and then work on steps to execute that future they believed in. And it always starts from a small seed. However the process ends up working, you can come to your eventuality that you want. And hell, it could even be a week from now, because remember what I said earlier, is that the big breaks, the big things that'll happen, you won't be able to predict. You won't be able to put into play. They will just happen. I didn't make that James Dean thing happen. I guess I let the DVD player play, and I guess I was doing my laundry, but I didn't turn my head in that direction at the right moment or the exact moment. It happened, and it changed everything for me. We have these choices, and we can lean into those instincts that are positive, or we can deny them. But what I'm seeing in this episode is that even in the face of what seems like a negative situation in our lives right now, for all of us, Even if certain things are going right, this is something that could be viewed as negative. Even if everything is going wrong right now, but you just think you have this burst. And I think a lot of people have been having it. There's a lot of studies right now that say people are dreaming differently than they ever have, more elaborately than they ever have. 
I think it's because your mind is yours right now. There's no boss every day telling you, no, 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 you are this, you're that, do this, do that. Even if they are and they're telling you through video, it's different than having them in a three-dimensional world where the stakes are higher. I think you are starting to get a little bit of what I described when I left AT&T as corporate detox. You're starting to be able to think your thoughts and feel your feelings without the filter of the people around you telling you how to feel and think. And that makes you dream different during the night and during the day. I believe that if you listen to this episode and you got to this episode, and I believe this very firmly, I'm in my old studio right now and I'm able to do this show the way I want to. I'm able to tap into something that sadly I haven't been able to tap into for a little while. I say that because I mean this. So listen with both ears, you, you fella, you lady, you sentient hamster. Listen, you are hearing this right now because you need to hear this. So listen to my words as I say them. That's how words work. You are hearing my voice tell you to listen to that message you got, that instinct, that dream, that burst of inspiration, that deja vu, that came to you because it was supposed to. And then you played this audio because you had to hear it. And I'm telling you, the part of you that knew that dream you had, that instinct you had was right. I'm telling you it was right and that you cannot deny it because you are destined to do that thing. Let that sink in. Now, I did say you won't be able to predict everything that flexes in the direction of you ending up in that world. You won't be able to influence every little micro move, but lean into it and start to let that imagination, that dream machine turn on again because you heard this show guaranteed 100% because you felt something recently. And now I'm telling you, go with it. And that's where I'm going to end. Because that's what I want you to hear last. You were right. That's what you need to do. And it's going to come to you. Some of it, the biggest parts, will be effortless. You'll get that call. You'll get that text. You'll get that email. You'll meet that person. Whatever your today is, whenever you hear this. But it's going to happen. So good move on listening to this. I'm Jet Dunlap. This is Psychotherapy. Go out there and get it. I'll talk to you next time.